Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. I am so touched because this is the first time when God gave me a word, the first church that has taken me serious and has given me the opportunity to do completely what God told me to do. Before I was either rejected or I was put down into like their little box and I could only do this much would fit into. So thank you church, thank you leadership for letting me be who God called me to be. Ah, just awesome. Children, I want to pray over you. I don't want to say anything. I want the Holy Spirit speak through me. He has given me scriptures for you. So please, all the children, come forward. Come down here. Let's pray. Children, that means kids who still live at home, even if you are in college, but you're still living at home, feel free to come forward. Forward, babies, unborn children, everyone, children at heart. You have no idea, children, how much God loves you. I mean, you guys are incredibly amazing. And God, right now, Jesus looks down. I mean, he's with us through the Holy Spirit. He looks down and he smiles and he's laughing and the angels are dancing. Look at this here, amazing. Parents, give me permission to speak the word of God over your children. I don't take that lightly. Lord, thank you so much for those beautiful souls that are scattered here. Thank you that you have created each one of them in such a beautiful, wonderful way. Jesus, you have a purpose and a plan over every single one. Every single one is anointed by you. And Jesus, before I go further, I confess and we repent for the things that we, when we failed your, our children, we confess and repent where we put our own ideas, our own understanding, our own wisdom before your wisdom and your understanding and your knowledge. Forgive us when we did it our own way and we hurt our children. When we did it out of our selfish ways or of anger, forgive us, Lord. Thank you that you're faithful because you forgive us. We can move forward and we can speak the truth over our children. They are made beautifully and wonderfully. And I pray that each one of us, each one of them will understand and comprehend how high, how deep, how far, and how wide the love of Jesus is. And they will embrace it. And they will live in the fullness of God. Lord, your truth we embrace, we pray the truth over them. You are the truth, Jesus. And the truth will set us free. The truth will set them free in the name of Jesus. We pray protection over them. We resist the evil one and he has to flee. We as parents stand in the gap for our children. They were growing up, they will become the men and the women that you only you have designed and created them to be. They will come to a place where they will cut off the alignments to the world and they will stand on the ground on Jesus Christ alone. They will walk in the purpose that you have given them. We speak your purpose over them right now. They will never wonder, why am I here? They will never wonder, what's my place? They will never wonder, am I loved? They know, they know, they know deep into their hearts. It is sealed into their hearts. They will stand and not be afraid. They will be filled with the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you said, that the Lord, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon them. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of might and 
and counsel, the spirit of the knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord will rest upon us, will rest upon them. But not only that, I speak, it will fill their hearts and their whole being. And, they, and you will live through them and in them. Your Holy Spirit will guide them. Thank you, Jesus. Before I end, I want to pray for our prodigal children. You have given me a beautiful scripture, beautiful word that you're bringing them back. And no, nobody is missing. Nobody is not going to come back. Every single one will come back. Every single one. And it is not going to take years. It's not going to take years. It's in the works. Jesus is softening hearts. Jesus is opening eyes as we speak. Jesus is revealing to our prodigal children, to our prodigal spouses, to our prodigal um, parents and cousins and friends, any prodigal child of the Most High King. He's speaking to them as we pray. He's opening eyes. They will cut off the alignment with the world. They will understand that, that the world will not satisfy them. The world will not give them anything. The world will only hurt. They will understand that the evil one only has bad for them. And he has put chains on them that we declare fallen off. No more chains. No more burdens, no more lies, no more manipulation. It's over. It's done. The light of the Most High King is shining upon them. They will know, they will see God is going. He is, he is revealing himself to them at this moment. And they will know and understand he is the only answer. He is our only hope. He is our only and all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. And all of God's children say, Amen. 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 Woo! That was awesome. Wait, wait just a minute. Just wait. Something special else God has given me. This is not the beginning. This is just as something that God is continuing. Now, I'm going to ask your parents, and you remind them, okay, that they need to, that we have a scripture for them to pray every day this week. Now, parents, no excuses, because most, you all have to go to the bathroom, and I mean, not just like a quick pee, some other stuff. So, you have the time. Write it out. Write the scripture that we're giving you. Write it out on a postcard. Hang it in the bathroom. Take it with you in the, in the car. Now, God has shown me this amazing picture. The scriptures you're going to pray, your children are going to start praying it too. The parents are going to pray it for themselves first. Speak it over you, parents. And not just parents. Every person in this house, okay? We're going to pray over the children of 214. We're going to continue to pray over all the children in your lives. And God is going to reveal things to you. Will not, it will blow you away, okay? The, when you pray the scriptures, you cannot wrong pray. You cannot pray wrongly. Whew. So, um, and then every week we'll give you a new scripture, okay? And you can pray it for your friends. If you drive down the street, you see a kid walking on the street, speak it over them. How about we speak over the children of Peoria? How about that? You go out of town. You speak the word of God over the people you see. It's going to be amazing. There is an awakening happening, and when we pray, God hears, and things are coming alive, and he moves. So the scripture for today, for this week is, do we have a slide? Because it says, yes, there you go. For you created me, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that well. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for your children, for anybody that God gives unto your heart. Thank you so much. God bless you. Now we're doing church, huh?
How awesome was that? Yeah. Is anybody ready to hear the Word of God? So I've wanted to do a, a series on Proverbs or wisdom for quite some time now, and uh, we're going to do it tonight. Start it tonight. We're, uh, we're launching the New Testament book of Proverbs, otherwise known as James, very similar to Proverbs. We're going to take the next, there's five chapters in James. Uh, we're going to take the next five weeks and take a chapter every week. And uh, just out of, the, out of the gate, if you've ever studied Proverbs or James, you understand that we could take this verse by verse and go about five years. Because there's so much rich wisdom in here that um, we're not going to do it justice in five weeks, but we're going we're gonna to say what God is telling us to say. Amen? So if you've got your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, whether they're the Bible app, the Version app, or physical Bibles, I want you to turn to James 1, and we'll start there. Before we go ahead, let's, um, I've got a question for you, and I'm going to start and end with this question. Does anyone want wisdom tonight? Anybody? Good. Good, you're in the right place. James Chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Greetings, my name is Jacob, and I'm a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all the 12 tribes of Israel who have been sown as seeds among the nations. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Amen. Just make sure that you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and then doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you're half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? Let's pray. Jesus, would you wreck our hearts tonight? You already have. But we want to receive from you. We don't want to be half-hearted. We want the heart of David 100% going after you. Would you enable us to stretch out the hands of our heart and would you blow the chaff away? Would you blow the things of this world away? Would you blow the things that we've been grasping onto that we might not even have known about? Would you blow that all away? And would you leave the seed that remains? Would you let your grace just be poured out on our failures tonight? Would you enable these hearts to receive it? Would you pull back the curtain to unveil yourself more of who you are i pray for the person here who thinks that they're they've <laughs> they've known you the longest they're so comfortable would you wreck their heart would you wreck my heart it's in jesus name and all god's people said amen so imagine with me that you grew up in the same household as jesus that would be really cool. Imagine if Jesus was your real-life brother. That was our guy, James. Right? James was the second-born after Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph. Now, technically, he was a half-brother, right? Because Jesus was immaculately concepted from God the Father, the Holy Spirit. But he grew up in the same household as Jesus. Probably worked in the carpentry shop with Joseph and the other brothers. And actually, his name is not technically James, even though that's what our Bibles say. 
His name is actually Jacob. Thus our, our image there on the screen. And this might seem trivial or insignificant to you, but let, let me explain why it's not. This is, this is actually huge. He's named after the patriarch Jacob in the Old Testament. Okay? If we miss this, we miss everything about James. We miss everything about the first verse that he writes to us. We would never say that our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and James. We would say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, before God revealed his most holy name to Moses in that encounter in the burning bush, before he said, I am, before he said, Yahweh, the, the name that was so holy that they dared not even say it or write it down, before he said that name, he was known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is huge. He's the God of generations, right? He's the God that loves for a thousand generations, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whom God renamed Israel, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And you and I, sitting here tonight in 2021, are grafted into those 12 tribes. This is why this is huge. This is one of the greatest unveilings of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest revelations of the gospel. Paul writes about it to the Romans. He says, this is the revelation. You are not alone, for I have preserved a remnant for myself. He's quoting Elijah, but this is to us. I've preserved a remnant for myself, says God, 7,000 others who are faithful and have refused to worship Baal. Then he continues later on in the chapter. Paul says, since Abraham and the patriarchs are consecrated and set apart for God, so also will their descendants be set apart. If the roots of a tree are holy, hello, if the roots of a tree are holy and set apart for God, then so too will the branches. And you, you, who were, used to be nothing more than a wild olive branch, you are grafted in. You're inserted in. And you, to the remaining branches as a joint partner to share in the wonderful riches. See, I've got good news for, for you tonight. The promises that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are your promises too. This is incredible. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you are not alone. You are part of the revenant. You've been grafted into the bloodline. The promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are yours. You are part of the holy people. You are the set-apart people. So when we understand that our guy James is technically named Jacob, it changes everything. We, when we understand this, it changes everything that we read in the first verse when he says, Greetings, my name is Jacob, and I'm a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes of Israel. That's you. You've been grafted in who have been sown as seeds among where? The nations. He's writing to you. Jesus Christ, his brother, through Jacob, writing to you. It's very interesting because Jacob, the brother of Jesus, didn't actually believe in Jesus while he was growing up with him. In John 7, we read the story. Uh, Jesus was traveling through the province of Galilee, but he was avoiding the province of Judea because he knew the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were plotting to have him killed. Now, they were having the annual Feast of Tabernacles. It was approaching, and so Jesus' brothers, including our guide James, Jacob, came to him, and his brothers said, Hey, why don't you leave these countryside villages like the small time right, and go to Judea where the crowds are so that your followers can see your miracles. They, they grew up with him. They'd seen his miracles. They knew what he was doing. This is what his brother said to him. How can you expect to be successful and famous if you do all these things in the backwoods in secret? Now is your time, Jesus. Go to Jerusalem. Come out of hiding. Show the world who you are. And John writes this about his brothers. He says, his brothers were pushing him even though they didn't yet believe in him as Savior. 
And Jesus responded to Jacob and the other brothers and said, The time of my unveiling has not come yet. But any time is a suitable opportunity for you to gain man's approval. The world can't yet hate you, but it does me, for I'm exposing their evil deeds. Go ahead, celebrate the feast. You guys go on ahead without me, because my appointed time has not yet come. And Jesus lingered in Galilee until his brothers had left for the feast in Jerusalem. Then later, Jesus took a back road and went into Jerusalem in secret. Wow. Don't you love it? Jacob and his brothers do exactly what we do. They completely misunderstand Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we saw your miracles growing up. We experienced that wedding when you turned the the water into wine. We've seen what you can do, Jesus. How do you expect to be famous and successful, Jesus, if you don't take that small-time stuff into the crowds, into the big time? Don't we have that same mindset? Jesus, we've seen you do the the thing. We've seen you do all the things. Why are you holding back? Jesus, have you seen what's happening in my life right now? I could really use a miracle. Don't you see what's happening in my city, in my country, in this world right now? Why don't you do something, Jesus? Why don't you show off? How can you expect to be famous and successful, Jesus, if you do all this stuff just behind the back scenes? There's a verse in Proverbs that fascinates me and really has clarified a lot of this for me. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search it out. See, it's his glory to hide and conceal things. The mysterious. God is very mysterious. That's what makes him God. It is the king's glory to search those hidden things out. Who are the kings? You are. I am. Revelation 5.10 says, You have made us to our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. It is his glory, the king of kings' glory, to hide and conceal things. It is our responsibility as kings on this earth, priests of our God, to search out the hidden things of God. As kings, our glory comes in the seeking and searching. It's really his glory, but we're just holding it for him, giving it back to him. He said, seek first the kingdom, and then everything else will be added. Remember that? And who is the one that unveils all these things? Who is the one that pulls back the curtain? It's Jesus. He hides the thing, and then he reveals them to his kings, but only to the ones that search them out. So you may not understand why God is allowing evil or something in your life. And should we pray against it, declare against it? Absolutely. We should expect God for miracles. But when he doesn't do something that you think he should do, it doesn't mean he's not working. God is on his throne. He is seated on his throne John talks about this in Revelation 4. I mentioned it to the guys on Monday night. He's not standing. He's sitting. He's not even lifting a finger. And everyone in that throne room is worshiping him. All the elders, that's you and me, all of creation. And in front of his throne is a pavement as smooth as glass. It says the sea, a crystal sea, as smooth as glass. It's the opposite of what Jacob, James, is talking about in his chapter here. There's no rough waves up and down. There's no instability. It's just pure glass. And below Yahweh are all the kings and authorities of the world. All the spiritual beings You and I, created by him and for him, even the evil ones, to do his purpose. That's part of the mystery. 
That's part of what happened at the cross. Isaac preached about it. They didn't, he cloaks things in mystery because he uses the evil against them. They didn't even realize at the cross in their evil that they were accomplishing his good. So tonight, whatever's going on in your situation, you can just, you can think of the portal that John was looking into in Revelation 4. Be like, we're good. God is on his throne. There's no waves. He just speaks and it's done. So Jacob really misunderstood Jesus, like most of us do. And even though he didn't believe in Jesus growing up, even though he misunderstood Jesus, there came a moment when he did turn to him, when he did believe. We're not exactly sure when that moment was. I'm going to love to find out that story one day. I have to believe it was either at the cross, I think it was at the cross, or maybe the resurrection. But Jacob did end up believing. He not only ended up believing, he became one of the most powerful voices of the early church. He became the presiding apostle in Jerusalem, he and Peter. And like his older brother Jesus, he was also killed for his faith. In AD 62, he was stoned to death by the Romans because he had turned to Jesus. Which is why he could write this next verse in James 1 verse 2. And say, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. I mean, if that isn't an upside-down verse, I don't know what is. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. This is why I'm grateful for 2020. When your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection. Perfection into your every part of your being, body, soul, spirit. Until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Is anybody experiencing difficulties tonight? I just want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand up. If you didn't stand up, you might be lying. I don't know. (laughs) You can still stand up. Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for these difficulties. We choose to see them as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that we can. We declare that we know that when our faith is tested, it stirs up some Holy Spirit power within us to endure all things. God, I pray for endurance right now. Endurance to not look away, but to fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, this is why we can call these difficulties joy, because you did it at the cross. You saw the joy. And so we choose to look at you and not turn our head to the right or left. We choose for joy. Whatever cross we're bearing, we call it joy. God, would you release faith to rise up? in your people? Would you release power to rise up in your people to endure all things? And then would you turn what is meant for evil for good? Would you cut off the head of Goliath right now in Jesus' name? We bind and rebuke every power of demonic activity that's trying to attack your people right now, and we declare it null and void by the power and the blood of the cross. And we thank you, God, that you are releasing perfection into every part of our being, body, soul, spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we declare this. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You could preach a whole year on that passage. But I got to move on. Verse 5. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom. And he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. 
Just make sure that you ask empowered by confident faith. Not just faith, like bold faith. Double faith. Without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute. I know you've been there. And doubts the next minute. But being undecided makes you like the rough seas. The opposite of heaven. The opposite of the throne room. Tossed to and fro by the wind. You're up one minute, you're down the next. When you're half-hearted, when you're half-hearted, when you're half-hearted. You know why we talk about heart condition so much? Because <laughs> that's what Jesus talks about. When you're half-hearted and wavering, how can you expect to receive anything from the Lord in that condition? See, Jacob knew about being half-hearted. He's like writing about himself. Jacob knew about wavering in his faith. That was him. He was undecided. He was ambivalent. He grew up with Jesus. I mean, think about this. He, he heard the story of Bethlehem from Mary and Joseph. He heard about how, how they got a dream here and left for Egypt. How King Herod was trying to kill his older brother Jesus. He heard about the shepherds and the wise men and the star. He heard all that stuff. He heard about the prophetic words given by Gabriel, the, the angel Gabriel. My goodness. And he, Jesus was right in front of him. He had he ate Cocoa Puffs with Jesus at the <laughs> breakfast table. He worked in the carpentry business with his dad Joseph and Jesus. They made chairs together tables together yet he didn't believe like what in the world so he he's like writing about himself he was like the waves tossed back and forth no stability but yet he said if anybody longs to be wise ask god for wisdom because he'd also experienced the other side of that he'd experienced the grace poured out I told you James was like Proverbs. And if we go back to King Solomon who wrote Proverbs, you know, he was the son of David, who David has the heart condition that we're all chasing. Jesus says in Reve the end of Revelation, he says, I created the heart of David and I'm inheriting the heart of David. It's a beautiful thing. That's why we talk about heart condition. It's because that's the heart that Jesus is inheriting. I want him to re inherit the heart, my heart of David. And God comes to Solomon, David's son, one night, and he says, because of your father. Here's the generations again. Do not miss what happened this, tonight. Because of the heart of your father, I'm going to give you anything you ask for. Like, how awesome a dream is that? <laughs> yeah. And King Solomon says this. Give me an understanding heart. Give me wisdom. And because God said, because you've asked for that, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you everything. Seek first the kingdom, then everything else follows. You know, one of the greatest things that my parents did for me growing up was teach me to read the word of God. They read the word of God with us. It's invaluable. I'm not perfect, man. I, I, I skip missed days of reading the word of God but they birthed something in me a duty that's turned to desire if you do nothing else get the word of God in your heart there's a pastor that's sitting in jail in the same province that I grew up in because he did not close his church and all he's got is the word of God and he's quoting James, verse 2, saying, I've got an opportunity to experience invaluable joy right now because he's got it in here. So here's the deal. Proverbs has 31 chapters, okay? Tomorrow is March 1st. You have an opportunity to change your habit in yourself and your family. You take one chapter a day. You set time aside. You do it right now. You, you calculate right now. Holy Spirit, what time am I going to do it? 
And then you, you better commit to that. And before you start reading those words, you say, Holy Spirit, reveal what you have for me. Unveil the mystery. Release the mystery of what you have for me today that will impact my business, that will impact my school, that will impact my family, my children. And he will do it. It will come alive to you. Who's with me? Proverbs 1 tomorrow. Start a new habit. More than ever, we need wisdom in a dark age. You've got to get it inside. You've got to eat the word. We live in a day and age of confusion. Your father is not the author of confusion. You can't go two seconds without getting fact-checked these days. <laughs> or an opinion dumped on you. You don't know if the news is really reporting the news. But I'll tell you what, that book is true. Because we serve the one who wrote that book is faithful and true. That is two of his names, faithful and true. And if you do nothing else, you better get that book inside of you. This is really the crux of my message here. The Apostle Paul tells us what wisdom really is. It's interesting because after Paul, remember, he was Saul, and he's writing, he's persecuting Christians. He's riding to Damascus to kill more Christians. And all of a sudden, Jesus just knocks him off his donkey. Bright lights blinded him. He has this encounter with Jesus, and he turns to him and never looks back after that. And in fact, after that experience, he spends three years in the Arabian desert alone with Jesus. You know, you know why I think he did that? Because all the other disciples got to spend all this time with Jesus and get to know him, and Paul was left behind. So he's like, I gotta do the same thing. Before I'm ready to lead a church, I gotta get myself ready. And so he spends three years in the desert, and then when he comes back from the desert, he comes back to Jerusalem, and guess who he meets with? Our guy James. He meets with two people, Peter and James. And he says in Galatians, he says, I needed to get to know James, the brother of our Lord. And I don't doubt that Paul and James talked about wisdom because they both wrote about it a lot, right? And this is what Paul tells us about wisdom that changes everything. 1 Corinthians 1.30 It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us, wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And this is what I came to tell you tonight. Wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is not head knowledge. Wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is a person. And when we really understand, when we truly understand who wisdom is, it becomes personal. Because experience changes everything. James knew that. Paul knew that. We can now experience wisdom as a person, as the person of Jesus Christ. Not head knowledge, but heart experience. See, when Jesus becomes wisdom unto you, that is when everything changes. Proverbs tells us, above all else, get wisdom. If it costs you everything you have, get wisdom. Of course, because wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom is Jesus. Does anyone long to be wise? Does anyone long for wisdom? Proverbs 2 says this, when wisdom wins your heart. Let's just put Jesus in there. When Jesus wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pleasure enters your soul. Proverbs 3, don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him. For Jesus comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. When you're reading Proverbs this week, 
because the first few chapters especially talk about wisdom. I want you to substitute the name of Jesus for wisdom. It will change everything. James writes, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for Jesus, and he will give it. He won't see your lack of Jesus as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. How's your heart? Are you half-hearted? What are you longing for? Just ask yourself right now, what, what am I longing for? What is my deepest desire? Would you like to be introduced or maybe reintroduced to the person called wisdom tonight? I'm going to ask you what I asked in the beginning. Does anyone desire wisdom tonight? Does anyone desire Jesus tonight? I'm going to start closing in a few minutes here, but I just want to open up this altar. I know we've already done it tonight. And in fact, this altar is always open. It's never closed, okay? And I'm a big believer myself that in order for your heart to move, that your feet need to move. In order for your heart to bow, that your knees need to bow. And I'm a big believer in that because I've experienced that. Some of my greatest encounters with Jesus have come when I've moved my feet, when I've bowed my knees, because it's not comfortable. And listen, I'm not trying to guilt you into coming forward here. I'm trying to free you. I'm trying to free you. This church is about two things. This is success, the presence of Jesus and the freedom that he brings. Get wisdom at all costs. Get Jesus at all costs. Why don't you close your eyes? I want to reintroduce you to wisdom tonight. I want to reintroduce you to Jesus tonight. There is not a heart in this place that does not need to be reintroduced to Jesus. Maybe you've never heard of him. Maybe you've known him pretty much your whole life. But tonight he's saying, come. Come to me. James writes later in his book, he says, draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. Stop being tossed in the waves. Just come. You know your heart needs it. You know your heart wants it. This is the encounter that your heart has been longing for. I'm speaking to every single heart in this place tonight. There are no exceptions. No one within the sound of my voice is excluded. See, maybe like Jacob, you're so familiar with him that you don't even see him for who he is. And if you just thought, yeah, that's not me, yeah, that's you. Jacob, think about this. Jacob grew up with Jesus and didn't believe in him. Jacob was in the same rooms as Jesus growing up. They ate at the same table together. They went to the same church together. And I think you're the same way. Some of you have been in the room with Jesus so long that you don't even recognize him. You've known the carpenter's son of Nazareth for such a long time, it's just gotten comfortable to you. You're so familiar with Jesus that you've never really looked at him. Can you ever really fully gaze at Jesus? Can you ever fully get enough of Jesus? I mean, there's so many aspects to him. Why would you look away? See, Jacob saw the miracles, but he just saw it as an opportunity for a comfortable life, for fame and fortune. I wonder if that's your experience with Jesus too. 
You've been around him so long, but you've never fully allowed him to transform every single part of you. You might be 95% there. He wants the 5% that's left. You know what door you need to open. Because he says in Revelation to his church, to you, I'm knocking on the door, but I'm not going to force my way in. You got to open it for him. See, some of you have just used Jesus kind of like a magic pill. It's great having a brother when everything's going well in your life, right? It's cool being like a, like a homie when he's turning water into wine. I mean, you might even raise a hand or two when, at church when it's like a really cool moment when the lights are cool and the smoke is, is there. Everything's good in your life. But this Jesus, for you, one day, he's a curse word. And the next day, you're sending a flare prayer to the same name. You're like Jacob. You're up and down, up and down. Highs and lows, highs and lows. He's consistent. He is unwavering. His throne room, there's no waves. Perfectly still, perfectly calm. He knows about every detail of your heart. He knows about every hair on your head. See, some of you just show up at church when it's convenient to you. Maybe you'll come back again when that cool building is finished. But really deep down, Jesus is just kind of a cool brother. He can help you out from time to time. It's, it's all good. But when things get tough, when churches have to close or not allowed to meet or it's not popular or you've got to walk the narrow road, yeah, I'm out. I'll just kind of stay away till things get better. Up and down, up and down. The waves of the sea. And you wonder, you wonder why your heart's in such a terrible place. You know it. And like Jacob, when your brother Jesus gets arrested, like that pastor in Canada, instead of becoming famous like you were hoping for, you just kind of stay away until everything cools down. I don't know the exact moment when Jacob's heart shifted. But I have to imagine that he was there at the cross with his mother Mary, looking on when Jesus looked at John and then looked at Mary and said, this is your son, this is your mom. Did that rip Jacob's heart out when he saw that? I think everything shifted for Jacob at the cross when he saw his brother up there. I wonder if he said, oh my, that's not my brother. That's my king. That's not my brother. That's my savior. He was here the whole time and I missed it. That's why he can say, that he pours out grace. Don't miss it. It's not too late. Just confess to him, that's you're not my brother, you're my king. You're the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. You are everything to me. God, would you pour grace on my failures? Would you unload your grace on me? My Lord and my God. He was right in front of me and I didn't even see it. He's been right in front of you and you didn't even see it. Just look in his eyes right now. Those eyes of fire that 
hair like white as wool and let his reassuring hand rest on you. Just say like Jacob did. My name is Jacob, and I'm a love slave for Jesus Christ. My name is fill in the blank. My name is Chris, and I'm a love slave for Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. God, would you wreck every single part of us? Wreck us back to yourself. Wreck us back to yourself. I want you to receive these words from Paul wrote in Ephesians. Keep looking at Jesus. I just want you to hear these words and receive them in your spirit. I keep asking, Paul said, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Jesus, thank you that you are wisdom unto us. We bless your name. Pour your grace over all of our failures, all of our missteps. Would you wreck our familiarity with you? Would you wreck our comfortability with you? And would you unveil who you really are? The wisdom of God. Who belongs all the glory and honor and riches and power and strength and wisdom.